And welcome to episode nine of Distilling Greatness. I'm Chris Statham uh, with the company Distilling. I've got my good friend and partner, Jeff Arnett, here. Good to be here. Yeah, we got Back in the beautiful Tennessee theater once Heck again. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous, as always. We've mm-hmm. uh, had a little road show last episode, went to Franklin. That was fun. Yep. Good to see Lee over there. Yeah, I mean, good. That's the first time I think I'd met Matt. Matt uh, Mox, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah it was good. It was good, good things going on in Franklin. Yeah, really good things. So we're proud to be in that community and appreciate that a ton. And we welcome a couple of new guests and friends. I would say friends of the show, but I'm guessing uh, only one of them actually listens to the show, and that's Kim. <laughs> um, the other guest would be uh, Houston Smelter from Helen Ross McNabb Center. Uh, Houston, how's it going? Uh, going very well, and, and thanks for calling me a friend. That's a loosely used term, evidently. It is. Uh, it'll be edited out. Kim, I'd, <laughs> gosh, uh, known Houston almost 20 years. Kim, we've known each other 15, I guess, yep. 12, 15. So Kim yeah. Mitchell with the uh, Blunt Partnership and Director of Tourism. How's it going? Good. How are you? Great. We're looking forward to, to getting together here and chatting. Again, appreciate your time. Um, Did you thank Houston for knowing me? Because he really is the reason why you know me. Uh, yeah. I'm the reason people know you at all, Chris. Um, yeah, and there's plenty of people that are kind of ticked off about that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all of that being said, mm-hmm. I think uh, today's topic, you know, Jeff and I, we've, you know, kicked around different topics along with uh, Jenna and the rest of the team. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, a little bit today about getting around and giving back, mm-hmm. you know, um, just to chat a little bit about community. We've talked about that quite a bit, you yeah. know, uh, throughout the, throughout the different shows. So, mm-hmm. you know. I think the big thing would be, um, I guess let's talk a little bit about our connection of our, you know, of some of our guests here, Jeff, you know, I've known him a little bit longer, but you've got to know him recently too, especially Kim. You know, I have, I think one of the first things that, um, I really was almost taken aback by, um, you know, moving to East Tennessee, um, was the sense of community and, and how much people care about, um, the community they live in here. I mean, it's a great place to live. A lot of people said, you know, I can't believe you leaving Jack Daniels and just moving away and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know, but it's not, it's not a bad thing. I mean, I have a lot of friends here and even though I've not been here that long, I feel a very strong um, relationships that I've been able to build just in a very short period of time. But it speaks to the community that we're in up here. I think we're very blessed uh, to be in East Tennessee uh, in particular. Oh, I think that's dead on. And and, and that's one of the things that even um, with our two guests today with Houston and Kim, that uh, the give back, uh, you know, our our whole purpose for today's show is talk about the varying forms of give back. I think I know, especially when I was young in my career, I would think a lot that give back was, okay, how much are you going to give? How much are you going to donate? You know, whatever. But I think what we're finding and what I've found over the years, and you and I have talked about it, that there's just so many different forms of give back uh, to the community, whether that's to those that's most most needed, that needs it the most, or or to those that are in the area, and we're trying to bring new people to the area. So, absolutely, you know, I, especially as I've gotten older, um, I always tell people, and it's not that I'm a wealthy person, but sometimes you, it's easier to give money than it is time. Um, yeah. But I think at the same time, uh, your level of commitment is different um, when when you participate, yeah. uh, whether that's just showing up to support an event or serving at it. You know, we're in the volunteer state. Volunteerism uh, should be something that we can all get behind and do. Um, but it makes a difference. It, you, you're committed uh, when you show up and, and you're willing, you know, to do the sweat equity part yeah. uh, of what it takes to to make a, any type of organization run. Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's also some diversity in our in our guests here because everyone knows, obviously, Jeff and I are in the, the alcohol industry, the selling industry. But but Houston, tell us a little bit about what you do at, at McNabb, if you would. Sure. Uh, so I'm the senior vice president of development and government relations for the McNabb Center. And uh, McNabb is 
somewhat unique. It, it exists elsewhere, but there's a, an operating body, the, the Helen Ross McNabb Center, that provides mental health, substance abuse, domestic violence, foster care, sexual assault, social services, a big breadth of uh, services. And then there's a separate uh, related corporation, the Helen Ross McNabb Foundation, that exists purpose uh, just for the purpose of raising and holding and investing and spending money on behalf of the McNabb Center. It's, it's somewhat unique. Um, to uh, nonprofits in our area, although there's a few others that do it that way. Uh, And so my role there is uh, fundraising. Uh, I kind of manage the day-to-day operations of the McNabb Foundation uh, in terms of their board of directors and fundraising, and uh, also on the center side, uh, the marketing, government relations, uh, volunteer media coordination. So a lot of hats, but it all ties together uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, and Houston, uh, you know, obviously Jeff and I have been doing stuff with McNabb um, for several years now, all the way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, a long time, um, whether it's our VIP, you know, things like that. Yep, I played the in the golf scramble. Yeah. I, I, well, it was terrible, man. And, yeah. and it wasn't because it wasn't a great event. It's just that my game is, is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a D player. I don't really know where I stand anymore. <laughs> but uh, somebody's going to draw the short straw if I get on their team. That's for sure. Yeah, you and I have done a lot of different things together. We've raised some money. Uh, we've given away a house. Um, we threw an impromptu um, fundraiser for the Lumberjack Feud years ago when you said it couldn't be done and you were wrong. I uh, just want to make sure everybody knows that. Um, he was wrong. And so, uh, and then like I said, Jeff and company, uh, um, have we've been participating in your uh, barbecue bash VIP. We used to, That's really grown. That grew from us just doing, me and you, doing a little shrimp boil for friends and then it grew into a shrimp boil for 150 people, and now they don't let us do it anymore. Um, I think a few people were in the hospital uh, for the shrimp. That that was the primary reason. Some Probably. of us would never know. We never got in the shrimp. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We planned that perfectly. So, I know. so that, that that brings us to Kim Mitchell. She's the director of tourism, as I said, Blunt Partnership. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you do there. Well, director of tourism. So my main job is to bring people to Blunt County, either leisure, business, or corporate travel. So. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's an easy job because Blount County is gorgeous. We it got is. The, we're a gateway into the National Park in Townsend, Tennessee. And we also have the airport, the local regional airport in our area. So we see a lot of business travel due to that. Yeah, that's yep. good. Yeah. Well, and, and Kim, I guess I would have to give you credit or blame you. Uh, blame <laughs> me. However that would go. It goes both ways, yeah. But uh, you were the first person who came to the Guild um, and, and pitched part of what became the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, but to do the Grains and Ritz Festival out yep. in Townsend, mm-hmm. um, which exposed me to that area and made me begin to think that maybe that would be a, a good thing, uh, a good location mm-hmm. um, for a distillery someday. And uh, then it happened. I know. So, I was so excited. Yeah. I got to tell everybody, I was like, Jeff Arnett is coming to our festival. Um, it was a huge deal. And everybody went crazy. <laughs> everybody went crazy. I still yeah. have the article on the New Sentinel when we announced Grains and Grits. And it's got his mug right on the front. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it said first annual or inaugural or something like Grains uh-huh. and Grits. To feature Jack but, Daniels, you know, one of the things I, I I pretty much limited the the things that I would do with Jack Daniels in the way of travel. And so I'm mm-hmm. like twenty percent of my time. So you know, I laughed and told people you were more likely to run into me in London than you were in Nashville mm-hmm. um, because they would allocate my travel days that way. But they would not let me do a lot of local whiskey festivals. That's for sure. So when the guild formed mm-hmm. and I became vice president, Chris and I serving there, I told him I said it would be terrible for us to be a part of the guild and not show up. And you Jeff, know, it, I, I can remember when you, <clears throat> when Chris uh, uh, and uh, your, the other partners were talking and starting company, 
mm-hmm. that uh, securing you as the you know the third leg partner was getting a a living legend. Um, and wow. with and, and the <laughs> no seriously, uh, Tatum will never admit to this, but the mystique with which he spoke about you and securing you as an investment partner and an operating yeah. partner, uh, you know, he kind of in hushed tones would tell his friends about who was coming aboard. <laughs> you can't tell low. anybody. Keep Don't tell anybody. <laughs> he was our Peyton Manning. And that's right. That's exactly it. So it's been, you know, it's, it's really neat. The, the crossover between all of us, like I said, mm-hmm. uh, between Jeff and I with the guild, but then Kim and I, um, starting out actually, Kim, you start out at McNabb. I did. So man, that's yes. the thing too. Yes. Is, you know, so Houston took a chance on me, hired me and taught me everything that he knows. He'll tell you that himself. <laughs> Took 30 minutes. I, <laughs> What'd you do for the rest of your life? <laughs> the rest of the I day. am the person that I am because right. of Houston. Go on. Yes, I know. Yes. Don't stop it. Stop uh, it. Yeah. But yes, and then that's where I met you and you were mm-hmm. a terrible volunteer. Yes. Would not take phone calls. I still don't. <laughs> so anybody listening, do not call me for anything. Well, no, I, I remember specifically we had a lunch to talk about an event idea that you had. And I said, that's an awesome idea. Would you like to chair it? And you went, no. And I went, okay. So we go back to the office and I look at Houston and I'm like, what are we supposed to do? He goes, just call him. He'll give in. Just call him. Well, you would never take my phone call. <laughs> so I had to be sneaky one day and call you from a landline and you thought it was Houston. So you picked up. I did. And that's an <laughs> honest to God true story. Because <laughs> <laughs> you answered, you go, hey, bud. And I went, uh, hey. And you went, who is this? I'm like, this is Kim. You went, damn it. I think it was my office line. And from that point forward, he would never take my phone call. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. So, um, With all that being said, like I said, we have been a part of some great fundraising overall, um, but not only just the fundraising part. Um, and, and I don't want to take away from that at all. But also, Kim, the things that you do in the community that uh, you've included Jeff, myself and company in, uh, and then also just the entire community. I mean, you have a real soft spot you know, a big heart for Blunt County and, and everything else. And it's a gorgeous place. We've talked about that like crazy. Mm-hmm. But the, what do you see as the give back to the community that Blunt Partnership and, and tourism specifically, I, I think, would be, would, what, what, what do you see? What would you like to tell people about, hey, this is what I mean by giving back to the community from your perspective? Right. I mean, you know, a lot of people see tourism as an intrusion. You'll mm-hmm. see that a lot where it's like you're bringing people in. But they have to realize that the community itself, especially that Townsend community, does not sustain itself without those visitors. There wouldn't be the great restaurants. There wouldn't be the great places to go and to enjoy yourself if you are a native of Blount County. Um, and then you have to think, too, that a lot in that Townsend area and in Blount County, it's locally owned. It's not big chains. I mean, you will see some of those in the Alcoa area and things like that. But when you get further out, you'll see these are locally owned restaurants and establishments and hotels where it's it's your neighbors so when you have people coming in and and being part of that it just helps your neighbors Mm -hmm. and it's it's really it's really good to see people wrap themselves around going to the local restaurants and going to you know the local places and and just you know giving back at that to them that way yeah and it is it's very circular i mean it really Mm -hmm. is like the the community wants things to do you provide those opportunities for that community which then in turn provides business opportunities exactly it's very circular and there's a Mm -hmm. big give back there and i think that's huge and it's something that we love Yeah. well and of course you know with tourism comes typically you know outside dollars um sales taxes temporary taxpayers is what we call them absolutely yes you know they're people who don't necessarily take up a lot of your social services and things of that nature but they come and they spend money 
and they uh, which, leave. Well, and, and mm-hmm. it, it has made Tennessee, you know, a low tax and, and a very attractive state for people mm-hmm. to move to. You know, most of the people that I've met who've, who've you know, are recent to Tennessee are coming from states where they're kind of running from, you know, the opposite of what we have here in Tennessee, exactly. which is, you know, yeah, yeah, which is, you know, a fairly free, low tax state. Um, yeah. Yeah. Getting to be fewer and fewer of those, it seems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're very fortunate in Blount County. Out of the 95 counties in Tennessee, we're ranked number eighth for tourism. That's fantastic. So that's that's a big deal. You think about taking out the top five, which is, you know, right here, beautiful Knoxville, uh, Chattanooga, Nashville, Sevierville, Memphis. Ma- Memphis. Then, you know, we're right there. We're right below um, Franklin and Murfreesboro. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, tourism is obviously, I think it was, I think I remember a st- statistic somewhere that it's the, was the second largest, second or third largest industry, hospitality industry? Second in Tennessee, in Tennessee. behind agriculture. Yeah, ag and, and probably, well, you throw government out because it is the biggest employer, but yeah. 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 So I think something that's interesting too is is this integration, of, you know, having known Houston, um, again, going on 20 years now, um, I remember when you started with McNabb, he walked in my office and had this harebrained idea to give away a house to raise some money. And uh, me being an idiot as well, I was like, oh, yeah, we can do that. This is easy. This is easy money. But then he, then he told me, oh, the previous three or four years, we failed at said project. Before I started. <laughs> before, absolutely, before he started. So we, up. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a, our first venture into fundraising and give back to the community was, a, was an, an event uh, or a fundraising event to give a home away that had previously not done so well financially, um, several tens of thousands of dollars short. And we had to convince your new boss, and uh, at the time, close to my new bosses, that we should do this. And so, uh, what I think, I tell a little bit of that story, um, first off, that was, you know, gutsy. <laughs> that we did that. That's one word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> stupid. But one thing that uh, I think that started there with that is I believe that you had this vision, and, and I shared it, and you've subsequently shared it with others, integrated, I think, big time in the fundraising, is you had a great mentor. mentor and Andy Black, mm-hmm. uh, and Jerry Vagnier as well. Um, but the big thing I saw was how you did integrate, like, the use of, like, a Kim Mitchell or that that community uh, involvement and the businesses there. It wasn't just a matter of, hey, Jeff and Chris, will you write this $5,000 sponsorship? You truly had this vision of integrating the community, but also your friends. I mean, we joke about Houston. If you if he comes up on your phone, you want something, which is accurate. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But the thing is, is that you have, you've integrated family, friends, and community, whether it's their business, whether it's their personal time. And uh, I think that that's a big prop to you. And, and, and just talk a little bit about how you see that, that integration taking place. No, I think that's a good historical description of the out of the gate attempt we made to raise money as a, as a, as a, as a couple. As a couple. <laughs> as a couple. Uh, so I, cute. <laughs> I had the the advantage of walking into the Helen Ross McNabb Center with, uh, you know, 20 plus years of history of successful fundraising, as you alluded to, uh, Andy Black, who didn't create the McNabb Foundation, but it was an, an empty bucket essentially when he started. Uh, so there's such a good footprint when I stepped in of, you know, major donors, all the names you might think of in East Tennessee that are known as big givers were already tied in in terms of some affiliation, small, medium, large. So I had that benefit where um, as we've expanded into other communities like Chattanooga, where we don't have those relationships, I can see how, how a monster advantage that was for me as a, as a newly minted fundraising professional that didn't know what I was doing. 
<laughs> so uh, that, and then also, as you alluded to, uh, I am blessed as, as someone who grew up in Knoxville, born and raised and went to school here and stayed here my whole life. And uh, a lot of very successful uh, friends and, and uh, relationships that I was uh, unashamed about tapping into uh, because uh, <laughs> I needed help. Uh, and I believed in the work that that I was doing. I'm, I, I enjoy very much the mission of the McNabb Center. And so it, you're right. It, it's kind of the Northwestern Mutual model. I hope I'm not going to get in trouble for mentioning that brand. But, you know, they hire, hire, hire people right out of school and say, hey, go sell insurance to all your friends and family and then go be successful after that. And and, and that kind of like that. I needed I needed my circle to help me be successful. Uh, Jim Haslam is well known for this quote, you know, East Tennessee. Uh, has a low cost of living and a high cost uh, of giving. And I think that that exists elsewhere in the world, but it's very unique to our community. Uh, the expectation of giving um, is there and, and people know that. And uh, it's, uh, it, it makes it a, a fun place to raise money because you can do some pretty big and innovative things. And the McNabb Center has grown. I think the day I started, we were in $18 million operating budget with about 300 employees. And I, uh, now we're pushing a hundred million dollar operating budget with 1200 employees. Um, the Dang. foundation had $4 million in assets when I started in 08 and uh, we're over $50 million. So it's been a good run uh, yeah. for 15 years. That's fantastic. And, and as a side note, the, the first fundraiser we did uh, with the house giveaway ended up being for a long period of time, one of your largest uh, positive cash flow, positive net cash on it. That's true. Yeah, that uh, I think when I started the 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 block of events we were conducting, you know, the golf, the dinner, the bass tournament, the sporting club, all that together uh, combined was raising you know not that much more than we raised just with the house giveaway by itself. Um, the the biggest takeaway from the house giveaway that I learned, uh, you know, other than don't do anything with you in the future, is that <laughs> um, you you. If you as a fundraising professional can leverage someone who has either access or influence in the community to people that have affluence or are gatekeepers for resources, you can be really successful. And the more people you can add that have access and influence who are willing to help you because of your mission or because of their uh, interest in your you know, personal and professional development, you can be more and more and more successful. And so I think that works uh, well for the McNabb Center in terms of its fundraising program. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's neat, like I said, hearing this, and we're local as East Tennessee. Jeff brings a, a definitely, if you would, I'd love if you talk a little bit about the experience at Jack Daniels, because I mean, you yep. were in a small town, and I think you had some really interesting points about some of the support you gave, and sometimes why you and the and the company did. And that'd be great yeah. to hear. I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think, um, of course, and. As they should. Um, Jack Daniels was, the, you know, the primary person who took care of most of the things in, in, in Lynchburg and in Moore County. So whatever those needs were, uh, were largely being met um, by the distillery. And there were times that you, because of the nature of, of what you were giving to, you didn't want any recognition for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if the Little League, you know, needed, if, if the local teams needed shirts and stuff like that, that pretty much was being paid for by Jack Daniels with the agreement that we won't put Jack Daniels on the shirt and we won't talk about it, right? Right. Um, but those are the kids of, of your employees and you wanted to be able to support them. But over time, what we learned is that by kind of having that approach um, to it, by doing everything sort of on the down low, a lot of people didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they, I don't think they had an appreciation for how things happen. You know, how did, how did the courthouse grounds get planted? You know, who paid for that landscaping? Who put the clock in the tower? 
you know, all these things that were going on in the community, people were just like, you know, it was like it was magic uh, the way it was happening. And I think in hindsight, we learned is that you really need partners. And I, and I think Houston would agree to that, um, that you get commitment, um, you get more involvement and stuff like that. So I, in the time that I was with Jack Daniels, I saw their posture beginning to change. And that was we still want to support things in the community, but we really need the community to be involved. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whatever something costs, we will, you know, do half of that or two thirds of that. But there needs to be other monies there. There needs to be more skin in the game than just us. Um at the time, and I, and I felt like there was, you know, I, I grew a lot out of it, my, my understanding. Uh, I felt like I'm a, a little bit more wise about, you know, how, how things don't just survive but thrive, and, um, and it takes commitment. And I know, um, Houston, I would, I would, one of the questions I would have for you is, I know you're, you know, into fundraising and stuff like that, but what is the bigger challenge? Is it, is it getting money or is it getting hands and backs to show up and, and getting that type of commitment from people? Because I know that's important too. It absolutely, you know, it's uh, Andy Black, uh, Chris referred to earlier, uh, he would always say uh, people's time is their the truly best and greatest mm-hmm. gift that they have to mm-hmm. give you. And and I think you said earlier, Jeff, it's sometimes it's easier to give money yeah. than to give your time. And, and Chris, I've known you to say over the years, can't I just write a check? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I would say the industry standard and development, when you're looking at your volunteer committee that's assembled to mm-hmm. help you with an event or a a capital campaign or whatever your fundraising activity is. Typically, if you can retain 90%, that's, that's pretty good, which right. means not exactly, but you know, you're turning over your committees once a decade completely, 100%. Yeah. So uh, if you're not replenishing you know, 10% of the size of your committee, then uh, it's shrinking. And, and really, you need to be adding more to that every year. Otherwise, you're not going anywhere. It, it's really hard, and I think it's getting harder uh, because the pressures of today's world on, uh, especially you know, younger folks that are in that twenty-five to forty-five demographic with children, uh, and the pressures of uh, climbing the ladder, and just the social aspect of some of the groups that can be helpful. It is hard to grab their time because mm-hmm. there, it's not that they don't want to give it; it just is not there. Yeah, um, and so you know, be, making a compelling case. Uh, making things as easy as possible for those donors in terms of being organized and prepared and having the materials ready and being correct and accurate and thoughtful in how you approach donors. Uh, you have to do all those things. Otherwise, you'll, you'll watch your committees, your volunteers evaporate quickly. Yeah. yeah. I know, Houston, yeah. at one point when I was at McNabb, we talked about, you know, gaining that new generation for, for the love of McNabb because McNabb has an incredible um, view in the community. Everybody loves McNabb and everything that you guys do there. You've got a great reputation. And, we, you know, we had that, like you talked about a little bit of those, those donors, those big donors that were always part of it, but trying to get that next generation in to, to fall in love with McNabb and the services that they give. And you all have done an incredible job with that. Thanks, Kenny. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, talking about those big names that uh, would be, I guess, kind of rude to just say them out loud, but we all know, uh, those who listen to this podcast will know who they are. Those folks are in, right? If you have They're a good in. project, it's not it's not really about garnering their interest. If you have a worthwhile, worthy project, then the resources are allocated. They're out there. They'll either step up as a leadership gift or they'll say, come to me at the end and I'll, and I'll finish it off so you can go. Uh, so they're out there. But what's, what's more important long-term is wealth transfers, right? Mm-hmm. It moves. It doesn't stay because we all end. 
ain't none of us getting out of here alive, as my dad used to <laughs> exactly. say. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, an eye for the future, and we've had some great success, particularly on our boards of directors, uh, where we are now adding um, new board members who are third generation exactly. folks whose grandparents were board members back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and their parents were board members in the late 90s and early 2000s, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem that long ago, but it was. Yeah, really. Uh, and now these folks who are in their early 30s and uh, you know, up to 40 uh, are getting active. And mm-hmm. it gives that, that, that other generation before them a rest, but also locks in the, the hope for good things to continue. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, kind of shifting, if we can, a little bit, because it's, it's so interesting hearing you talk about this and how you, the volunteerism that Jeff was bringing up and... And, and I don't want to say struggle, but it is a constant, like you said, you're turning over, you're trying to replace. One thing I want to talk about, you know, with you, Kim, is that you've, you put on these events and, and you don't put on every event, but you know, you have like this signature touch to all of your events. Like it's going to be well done. It's going to be organized. You're going to, you're going to cuss me at some point. Um, <laughs> Always. You know, constantly, <laughs> constantly. But, but in all seriousness, I think one thing to talk about is you're talking about turnover committees. I, there's two committees that I know of Kim uh, has created, she created Hobson Hills, which is a phenomenal, uh, an event for the community, downtown mm-hmm. Maryville area that takes place uh, in June of each year. Yep. Uh, and then Grains and Grits, we've alluded to it a couple of times and we'll talk about it again coming up. Um, those committees, it's, it amazes me, your committees that you have people, you know, I always feel like, and you told the story that, you know, you asked me to be on a committee and I said, no, um, you have people that want to be on your committee. They do. Yes. And, and tell me like, how do you, what do you think the, the the hook is for you on those? Well, I mean, to be completely honest, who would not want to be on a committee that deals with craft beer and Tennessee whiskey? <laughs> okay, good point. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those members are hard to find or retain, but yeah. we do have some really good groups, and it really is more about... It's not just the beer and the and the Tennessee whiskey. It's about giving back to their community. Yeah. And Blunt County is very philanthropic when it comes to not only money donations, but their time donations as well. And these groups that they want to put on a good event for our community to come out and have some fun and just enjoy themselves. And I will tell you, both of those committees are are so much fun. I love my beer committee. They're a little ADD. I have to like <laughs> rein them in. They've got ideas on both sides of the table and they're talking at the same time. And we love them. You, you want to be a fly on the wall yeah. at one of those meetings. And then uh, the grains is just, you know, the same. It's just a bunch of friends that have gotten together. And that's exactly Get what it around. is. Gather, gather around. around yeah, we're Sorry gathering around. Um, <laughs> and Chris, you know, grains was our idea. Well, we we uh, we started that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think now, it was more uh, you, but yeah. Uh, and and now you know, I rarely see you at the meetings or day of setup. But that's I don't okay. Do committees. We talked about that. I'm sure know. that'll change <laughs> after we've outed you on this podcast. Yeah. No. I I, uh, I don't know that I really contribute a lot to that. No, uh, the occasional yeah. f bomb is about it. So uh, well, those but, are important. But but you know I do want to say seriously like the, the other thing about that is you have a phenomenal supporting cast and I don't mean that about people that work for you. I mean the supporting cast. Like I remember Jeff and I there were which I know we don't anymore because we have other things on that day. But hell, we'd get there early and help her set up and put cattle I, gates up. And <laughs> I will say that one, it, it was probably two years in maybe, we were running a little bit behind and cattle fencing was not up yet. And I looked out and there was Jeff Arnett, the master <laughs> distiller of Jack Daniels, the Peyton Manning of alcohol was out there moving cattle fencing and I almost was brought to tears and that yeah. doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, it you is. know, I only have one feeling. 
Yeah. And and it was touched that day. That yeah. one. It was really touched. I was like, oh my gosh. I almost went out there and was like, sir, I'm sorry, you don't need to be doing this. Let Chris Tatum do that. Let Greg do that. That's right. You don't need to be doing such things. Come with me. Uh, exactly. And but it still should be that way. It is. Um, yes. The difference now is I just don't I just don't show up. And That's so you true. don't have the opportunity That's to true. jump anything on me. But but no, you do have a great staff and I, I think it'd be I'd be That is I'd one thing fail yeah. to mention that Jessica, you know, Jessica Blitz, uh, Amy, Jennifer, Tammy, Brian, I mean, the whole team over there. The whole team uh, of Alexa Blood Partnership. Your new girl, Alexa Johns. Alexa. I say new, she's been there a couple of years now, but. She's the bomb, man. They are. I, really I just beg her every day not to take my job. She's yeah. incredible. But yeah, Blood Partnership, we are a family. We yeah. are a family first. We are there to help each other, no matter if it's in our department or not. And you don't find that often. We found that at Helen Ross McNabb. I know when, when I was going to leave Helen Ross McNabb, I thought I will never find this again. I will never find this group of people again in any work situation. Yeah. And, and I did. And, and that's very rare. So I'm very fortunate in the two past jobs that I've had. It was a family. That's Kim, fantastic. Kim, how do you, uh, you have two great events. I've been to both of those. How does the chamber tourism uh, group identify a need for a third event and and if it needs a third event how do you determine like how what does that look like well we are stretched pretty thin right now as our staff is so our focus now is bringing in events that are that they themselves can produce and that we can help with either a financial donation to it if we see that it's going to at the end of the day we are funded tourism is funded through hotel motel tax so we need for people to be staying in those hotels for us to be funded. So if we see an event that we know is going to bring people in from outside our community and stay in those hotels, then we will most definitely help with that event. But our staff is pretty much, these are all the events that we can take on in-house. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Jeff, you, had, you talked um, a little while ago about Jack mm-hmm. participation. I think the example of, you know, buying the uniforms for the basketball team mm-hmm. or whatever, oh, football yeah. team, you know, you do that quietly in the background. Um, I think it'd be an interesting, just you know, you know, dialogue here if we can get something rolling here about the bridge between the distilling industry and the not-for-profits. Jeff, you and I have yeah. experienced that uh, that often uh, the distilling industry is looked at as the the evil alcohol uh, oh, because yeah. nobody yeah. ever gets drunk on wine and beer; they only Never. get drunk on liquor. Yeah. Um, but you know, what are your thoughts on that bridge? You know, and and do you think we're making strides to to make it? To, to, to bridge, you know, the two. You know, I, I think, I think, yes, we have um, definitely made progress there. But, you know, especially in the state of Tennessee, um, distilled spirits were treated very differently than wine or beer. Uh, there was, you had much more latitude to market and sell. Uh, and we had to kind of, you know, push for parity, we called it. It was like mm-hmm. anytime, you know, whatever you're allowing beverage alcohol of other forms to do, then that should be extended to us too, because, you know, it's allowed us to become one of the faster growing industries in this in, in Tennessee and um, and good paying jobs um, for the most part as well. Um, but to, to to kind of reeducate people that there is no there is no alcohol of moderation. There's only the practice of it. Um, so, you know, you can get just like you said, you can get just as tore up on beer as you can distill spirits. Maybe distilled spirits will get you there faster mm. uh, without the bloat or whatever. Um, but at the same time, you know, kind of whatever, you, you know, you need to make good decisions. And yeah. I think, you know, personal responsibility and stuff like that. I know um, with the, some of the people that the McNabb Center um, services and stuff like that, um, people who, who struggle with yeah. alcohol, um, usually there's something behind that. You know, they, they, they're using it to, to kind of uh, put salve on a, on a wound or whatever. A lot of times it's that. 
um, and they need to find healthier choices um, to mm-hmm. deal with anxiety, stresses, whatever. Um, but, you know, I used to have people all the time that would come up to me and say, you know, I drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels every day. I'm your best customer. And I'm like, no, you're not. Wow. You're my worst customer, you know, because, yeah. because you're, the, you're the idiot who's going to take away the right for everybody else. The people who yeah. drink responsibly, drink in moderation, are going to have their rights trampled on by the, you know, reckless actions of a few. Uh, so it's important for us as manufacturers um, to work with with organizations like McNabb um, to to deal with people in society who really struggle. Yeah. Um, and and use your product as uh, you know in a way that you really hope they won't. Yeah. No, I you know? agree. Houston, I think uh, Houston, Kim, Kim, especially when you're with McNabb, I mean, the balance that you guys strike, um, both from the events that you're directly involved in, but also just the philosophy and mentality of leadership there, whether it was Andy or Jerry. You know, those are the two that I've had most interaction with. Uh, I think it's always been a great balance, um, a phenomenal balance. I wouldn't even say great. I try to go higher with the with the compliment of a phenomenal balance. Uh, so you know, we we thank you for that. And it's it's not as you know, we don't always we're not looking for our name to be plastered everywhere. Sometimes sometimes it's just subtle that we'll put it in the corner or something, and you know, save a little money. Sometimes it's not even mm-hmm. um, you know that's going to be there. That alcohol is going to be there. Um, and somebody, uh, a wise guy, a very wise man told me that, you know, um, he had, he's had these thoughts in his mind, these struggles in his mind about, man, how do you, what am I doing? I'm integrating this alcohol into this industry. And, uh, and he said, but I keep coming back to that. Not every person that sips alcohol or has a taste of alcohol has a problem. And so those that don't provide, you know, whether it's a financial or whatever, we, you know, through, through, through that interaction, through that bridge between our industry and your all's industries, you know, we do provide help over the places. And I'm pretty proud of that. I, I think that's something that I've seen shaped and changed over my experience over the last, you know, gosh, going on 11, 12 years now in the industry. Um, I've seen that and I appreciate that a ton. You know, I think that's great. Uh, sure. And, and you know, from the McNabb Center's perspective, we're, we are the largest provider of substance abuse treatment in, in East Tennessee. If you are um, an individual who does not have resources to seek treatment, we're, we're kind of the only option for a lot of those people, particularly with residential treatment. But uh, to your point, Jeff, you know, it's not even, it's not just alcohol, right? It's uh, mm-hmm. opioids and it's amphetamines and it's uh, gambling and it's pornography mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, any, the, a lot of activities and a lot of substances. There's a lot can, of ways to destroy your life. That's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> just yeah. one. And, um, um, and all those things are, you know, people are using all those activities and substances as, as a, as, as a salve, as a medicine to, to patch a wound or to fix a problem. Uh, and it's, it never works. Right. Obviously. Yep. Uh, I, I will say that, uh, in East Tennessee, my experience, the distillers and, uh, the beer distributors and the wine and liquor distributors, uh, are, great investors uh in the McNabb Center's mission uh and I don't think that that comes from a place of uh, obligation given mm-hmm. the industry and I think it comes from a place of uh success and general general interest in supporting your community well and I think we have a responsibility mm-hmm. you know whether we want to accept that or not um that we need that is something that we need to be on guard about uh, yeah. you know and it goes beyond you know us not overserving people in our facilities and stuff like that would certainly we never would. Um, but you know, we need, we need to help people make good decisions um, and, and use your product correctly. And, and as you've intended it. Yeah. So, yeah. What is it the, about the uh, street vendor selling food? You know, people are nervous about, you know, well, is that safe? <laughs> you don't want to kill your customers. Right. Yeah, and right. and um, yep. so I think that responsible uh, distillers and, and uh, beer producers and distributors, 
they know that they're accountable to be responsible to, to, to not mm. make that situation worse. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, you're tough when you've like survived like street hot dogs, you know, at 1 a.m. and <laughs> or down Houston on Broadway. Shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Houston and Broadway. Yeah. Houston and a hot dog in a back alley in Nashville. <laughs> And yeah, live, live to tell about it. <laughs> we should, man. We could do a whole podcast on some cooking stories of Houston and I. Um, I can't even tell you what we called it. Uh, it was so inappropriate. Uh, some of our cooking expeditions or excursions or adventures, whatever. But, but nobody died. Uh, <laughs> to your knowledge, to my knowledge, no direct no linkage, no, no direct linkage yeah. whatsoever. So, so we'll kind of kind of start bringing this back around here. I want to ask, put both of you on the spot just a little bit. Um, you know. F- First off, I'd like to ask Kim, what is your favorite event that you put on? <laughs> Gosh, that's like trying to say, pick your favorite child. Well, everybody has that. I mean, I don't. Liar. If my children are listening, I do not have a favorite child. You have a favorite son and a favorite daughter. Yes, exactly. Just like I do. I, 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 and there are days I dislike them equally. Um, you know, I think. I'm sorry to my Hops in the Hills folks. I do love Hops in the Hills, but I think Grains is is one of my favorite just because of the time of the year. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's that they both are equally as fun and exciting and but Grains is, you know, it's in November. It's it's mm-hmm. just a great feel. You're in the Smoky Mountains, you got fire, you got good whiskey, you got good food. So Yeah. But so if I had had to pick one. There you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Well, you know, and that event has gone beyond just the hours of the event. You've got people who come in, you know, and, and gather, you know, at our place at Little Arrow and uh-huh. um, that really look forward yeah. to that whole weekend. Our, so it's yeah, not we just have, the three hours or so of the festival. It's that weekend is really special. You're around a, a lot of like-minded people uh, who enjoy spirits. People bring bottles, you know, the old dusties come out and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Exactly. If you know the right people, you get to try some pretty rare things. And everybody up in Townsend has just really you know, wrap their arms around this event. It started Dancing Bear was a huge partner of mm-hmm. ours and all the distillers stayed there. We kind of outgrew that property. So we moved over to Little Arrow and and they've just been a phenomenal partner mm-hmm. for us as well. And then just all the chefs that come in, all the local restaurants that come out and help with that. And then uh, Sully helps us with all the chefs. Michael Sullivan, he's he's started this open air cooking and it's just a... It originated with at Grains. Yes. That was a concept that we had in one of our committee meetings and um, he kind of threw, we were thinking about how to do it a little differently and we, it kind of got created, you know, it was created in that committee and he ran with it. So. Yes. And every year it's grown and it's brought chefs in from all over. A couple of years ago, he brought the chef in from the largest restaurant in the world, which is in Spain. And he yep. was there two years ago. So he continues to bring in new talent, new chefs from all over, all over the world, not just regionally or locally. So yeah. it's always, it, it's a, it's a really good time. And that's a good segue because, you know, I was going to ask you what's next, but you've already, you know, uh, promoted the grains. However, it has sold out. It did. It's sold um, out. It's sold out. So that's a, a heads up for 2024, which will be, is that our 10 year birthday or a nine year? I can't remember. No. Nine. Doesn't matter. Doesn't 2024. Matter. That's math. I can't do math. Yeah, don't do math. <laughs> but 24, everybody out there needs to make sure that they, they go on uh, sale August 1st. Every year, August 1st. August get out 1st. There early. They sold out in less, less than three and a half hours. Three this year. hours. Three hours. Yep. So that's huge. But, but there's lots of other great activities going on in Blunt County. We have Taste of Blunt, which take, takes place in September. That's always fun. Come out for that. Um, we have our fall festival in Townsend. That's at the end of September. Yeah, Taste so. of Blunt's coming up. I mean, we got football season going. You're wearing your orange. I'm wearing my so. orange. Go Vols. So we got Ball that. for life. Ball for life. <laughs> EFL and feels she like, is. Feels like 98. 
Yeah. Oh God, here we go. We're going to cut that conversation off. So uh, we're talking national championship again. Woo! Come on, absolutely. So, yep. so Houston, what you guys? What do you guys got coming? Like I said, we're 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 here at the beginning of September. Uh, football season's going on. I mean, what do you got going on? Uh, and thank you for not making me answer which event is my favorite. Oh, no, that's <laughs> we have ten events full of people that would not want to hear. Anyways, I'm going to give you a politically correct answer to that question if you give it to me. Uh, <laughs> so we have. Uh, just really quickly through the end of the year, and it's here in September, we have a uh, sporting clays tournament down in Chattanooga called the Scenic City Sporting Clays, which is at uh, Benton uh, Shooting uh, down in Benton, Tennessee. Uh, that event will be on Friday, uh, September. I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I think September the 23rd is the date of that Friday. And then we have two really, really uh, special and unique events that follow that. And the first is uh, our Sunset Shenanigans Cosmic mm-hmm. Drive yes. and Putt. Uh, this event's in its third year, and, and it was created just to the point we were all making earlier. That group of young professionals, mm-hmm. young givers, uh, our goal is to cater to them. So this is an event that's at night. Uh, great food. It's at Getty's View Country Club. It's on uh, Monday, October 23rd. And as the name alludes, it is uh, light up neon uh, golf on the driving range and the putting course. We have uh, glow-in-the-dark soccer balls for foot golf on the number one tee box. Uh, there will be a craft cocktail from Company Distilling uh, for people to uh, to have at that event. And in uh, Zool Beer, we'll have uh, beer there on site. It's, it's just catered towards that younger professional that doesn't want to come do four hours or five hours for a golf tournament. But they'll come out for a couple hours, have good food, hang out with their friends, keep up with a score sheet that's utterly meaningless, uh, and go home. Like my uh, golf game. I, I was going to say, that, that actually could be fun because in the dark, nobody could see how bad I was hitting the ball. That's right. right. I mean, that's that's, right. that might be a solution for my golf game now that I think about it. Are you like Charles the Barkley? Hooks, the hooks and the slices and stuff don't matter cool. when no one can see. Is your swing like Charles Barkley? I don't know. No. You know? I used to have a fairly consistent swing. I played in high school, um, all through college and stuff with my dad. My dad got me started playing golf at a young age, and then I just put the clubs down and thought I could go back to it. But my, like my 50-ish body uh, swings a club differently. <laughs> 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 and nowhere near as consistently as it used to. So it's just, it was an exercise in frustration when I picked them back up. But mm. anyway, yeah. I, I've, I put them back down. It's, company's got a lot going on. Absolutely. So. Most certainly do. And I think it's been great having these conversations. We could sit here and tell tons of stories. Uh, I think another event coming up, it's on a personal basis where we got a fishing trip. This is important to say on the <laughs> because what I'm doing is outing um, Seth Nelson, Seth, Seth uh, Grossman, Nelson Pratt, and Grant Rosenberg. We know you've told your wives that it's a work event. Uh, it is not. Um, it is a fishing trip. Um, those boys drink heavily. Uh, I'm just joking. They don't. We just have water. Um, and Castleberry, <laughs> Castleberry loves sleeping on the couch. So uh, the wives of those three, they're lying to you. I'm throwing you. I'm throwing them under the bus right now. So, but uh, yeah, that's we got stuff coming up too. Um, we do. We're working. And this is on, why you don't have friends. Yeah, yeah for, for people. Yeah, for people who are following us. Of course, we're now distributed in five states. We're working on adding two new variants uh, into mm-hmm. our lineup. So we'll have a Tennessee whiskey, a bourbon, and a and a rye with different wood finishes. Also working on a uh, an exclusive offering that we'll do on Grains and Grits weekend because that's yeah, something absolutely. we want to do when we've got a lot of people coming to town looking for something new and exciting. So we're going to try to have something absolutely. available for them. So lot lot going on though. Well, I appreciate your time. I want to tell all our listeners out there too. Please, uh, if you have some time and you see an event you like, not only buy a ticket but maybe think about 
buying a ticket and volunteering for an hour of it. I know Tim does, or Kim does a great job of that with her events yep. where they'll come in, they'll spend an hour working and then they get to go enjoy the event or they come in for two hours and go work for two hours. So I think volunteering at Kim's events and then also yep. uh, volunteering for Helen Ross McNabb Center, please reach out there. It's not just for events. They also have some great programs with uh, children um, as veterans, et cetera. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's important to, to be a part of those. So we really appreciate everybody's time today. Um, look forward to seeing everybody back. Our next month uh, in October is going to be our Halloween special. Jeff. Yep. yep. Dress, and, uh, dressing up for it. We are. We will be, we will be <laughs> dressing up for our Halloween edition. We'll have a couple of special guests, uh, tell some ghost stories here at the Tennessee theater and, and, uh, but we will be dressing up and that'll be a surprise to everyone, uh, <laughs> how that goes. But, uh, so I look forward to joining everybody uh, back here in October and I appreciate everybody. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank yep. you. Great. Thanks.